What's up, investors? Happy 4th of July. Introducing the new Remote Investor Incubator and eCourse. So here's what we did, guys. We had the mastermind, and we are going to break off from that being mostly an accredited investor group. And I wanted to create something that was helping out the little guy get started, the guys getting their first properties. And we are calling this the Incubator Group. Get more details at simplepassivecashflow.com slash incubator. But basically what you're doing here is we're getting a group of professionals looking to build your network with others starting this journey to financial freedom. The e-course that's going to accompany this group is going to have eight modules in a closed membership site plus two bonus modules and download kit, all geared toward educating the remote investor. In this group, we're going to have bi-weekly Zoom video calls. And if you join up, you're going to get all past turnkey rental recordings. Now, these calls are designed to ask whatever questions you have and hear the other questions from other investors in your shoes. And we're going to run this like a boot camp style. This is going to be a five-month program where we're going to walk you through the best practices for tax and legal as you acquire your first remote rental. We're even walk you through the due diligence and offer process. We're going to have staff membership coordinators for extra support to get you over the sticking points and to connect you with the right people in the group, even if you're shy. One of the biggest reasons for joining is access to our ever-changing Rolodex of top turnkey companies, brokers, property managers, and insurance companies. Hey guys, we're basically spoon-feeding this to you. If you've been on the fence and it's time to get your first rental property, go to simplepassivecashflow.com incubator. And by the way, for those accredited investors, we are looking for new members. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey and join the flagship Simple Passive Cashflow Mastermind there. A little bit bonus for you guys as a 4th of July special for the next week only. All e-courses are 20% off. Check them all out. The trade line course, the remote renter course, and the ultimate package of all e-courses. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash ecourse. Again, 20% off. Promo codes will be emailed out this week. But if you miss it, email me at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey everybody, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Today we are going to talk about self-directed IRAs. If you guys didn't know, you guys can take your retirement account and roll it into a self-directed IRA, either a Roth form or a regular IRA form. But you're going to need to get it out of the hands of those, uh, I don't know if you can say the names, but the Vanguards, Fidelities, all those like big brokerages that, you know, they got in cahoots with the government way back when in the 80s and the 70s. I don't know if this is true uh, American history here, but they created this thing called the Mutual Fund to uh, keep your money locked up so they could extract a gazillion hidden fees. Those of you guys uh, listening on the podcast, we also have a nice uh, presentation slide deck here that um, if you guys want to go to the YouTube channel, you guys can check out there. Or I will put this up on our retirement fund account page at simplepassivecashflow.com slash QRP. So again, that's slash QRP if you guys want to check out the video there. But I got a special guest today, Jason from Newview Trust. How's it going, Jason? Hey, Lane. How are you? Thanks for having me. All right. So we've got about what, nine slides here, less than 10, so people don't go to sleep. But yeah, let's quickly go over what the heck is a self-directed IRA and um, you know, how can we use this to turbocharge our investing? Sure. Well, you know, you kind of hit on on something and, and uh, I don't know if it's a, 
an old wives tale or if it is reality in terms of American history and, and the origin of the mutual fund. But I think we'd all agree uh, the financial markets as a whole are just not designed for the average retail investor unless they happen to get in and get out at the right time. And, you know, I think we're seeing that play out in the market today, you know, as we see it going up and going down. And uh, I read an article that you've got uh, three different companies that are in the process of filing for bankruptcy that are up over 30%, you know, which conventional wisdom would tell you, you get out of a stock before they uh, file bankruptcy, not get into them. And so what do we know as, as just individual investors, right? We're all unfortunately left holding the bag. Um, but as you mentioned, kind of the vanguards, the Schwabs, the Fidelities, uh, they're in the business of providing retirement account custody, right? Just like we are. But their business is to hold investments that are traditional, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Uh, Newview Trust exists in the same manner to hold investments that are not stock sponsored mutual funds. So we're here to provide the same level of custody, but we're allowing you as a client to pick your own investments to include things like real property or mortgage notes, private equity, right? All the passive investments, uh, you know, that Lane talks to you guys about all the time. All of those can be done in an IRA. And for those that are looking at the screen, um, you know, we, one of the things that we make clear from the get-go is we're not advisors, we're not tax accountants, we're not uh, you know, legal professionals, we're custodians. We're just here to hold your account, take your direction, and hold the assets that you want. Self-direction uh, gives you control. So the self and self-direction means you find your own investments, you evaluate them, you do your own due diligence, and we go buy them when you're ready. So that's really the role we play, the role you play, and the value, uh, you know, to some degree of a self-directed account. That's right. We are just here for giving information. And what do I know, right? I mean, I just bought some rental properties and quit my day job um, about 12 years later. And, that, and that's what really upsets me about all that retirement funds stuck in these mutual funds. Like when I had a rental property, I was making like 30% a year when I was, um, you know, my leverage position was good. But then you look at my, like the stocks and mutual funds, like you're making what, seven, 8% a year. It's like, where the heck did all my money go? And you look right. at these expense ratios and doesn't, it's not all inclusive of all the fees. Absolutely right. I think what, what uh, is such a challenge for so many people and, and we hear it all the time is, you know, you, you charge me account fees. You know, Fidelity doesn't charge me account fees. And I think to myself, and, and I'll sometimes say, depending on the, the customer, you know, do you really think Fidelity advertises on every possible television channel with all big buildings in town um, because they don't charge you anything? You know, just because you go and, and you get a, a, a water for free or your drinks included doesn't mean you're not paying for it somewhere, right? You're paying a higher price on something. So uh, you're absolutely right. Mutual funds uh, are notorious for for hidden fees and a lot of money gets raked out of those before an investor ever sees a dollar in both good times and in bad. Don't get me started with financial planners. You guys can uh, check out all the, the big rant page at simplepassivecashflow.com slash FP. There's one of those HBO comedy special videos in there too. If you guys think poking fun at financial planners, let's kind of go through some of this, the slide deck, Jason, and then uh, chime in with questions here, there from the listener. Perfect. Well, yeah, th this is a slide that, that I think really helps underscore, and it's probably the thing, that, the story I like to tell the most in, in this. And if you can just leave that first one up for a second, Lane, and we'll, we'll get to the kind of the grand finale here if, uh, if it doesn't pop up. But, you know, one of the things that, that so many people get focused on is they focus on investments, right? And, and naturally, we all do that. Obviously, you're, uh, you know, you spend a lot of time talking about it, and, and it's so mission critical. Unfortunately, in the world that we occupy, what a lot of people step over is 
can I buy the same investment in a different vehicle and yield better results? And that's really what this slide is going to illustrate for you. And I'll kind of tell you the story. And so one of the things that, that happens, right, is, is as investors, we look for the best investments, right? We assume that if we can just buy good investments, we can win the game. And I think it's really two parts prior to that. And, and Lane, your story is so fascinating to me because, you know, you didn't have to go in and syndicate deals because you saved money so you could be a passive investor, right? So you're more successful as an investor because you had money to invest. And, and that gives people a big leg up. So we're going to talk about the value of saving and the value of saving in the right vehicle. So if you were to go out, and I'm just going to use a, a simplistic example. And again, those, if, you're not, if you don't have the slides, I'd encourage you to, to go to the website and grab them. Uh, because it illustrates a little bit better, but just to illustrate how much taxes impact our investments. So if you said, I want to go out and become an investor and I've got a dollar, right? I've got $1 to invest and I'm going to invest it every year and it's going to double year after year. So I'm going to invest a dollar. It's going to become two. I'm going to invest two. It's going to become four. Four becomes eight. Eight becomes 16. You get the idea. If you double that dollar for 20 years, right? 20 years, $1. If you do that in a taxable account, assuming there's a 25% annual tax on your profits, you're going to end up turning $1 into 72,000 bucks, right? Now at face value, right? If, if you were to talk to anyone that turned a dollar into 72,000 bucks, they'd look like a financial genius, right? And we'd all celebrate and we'd say, that's awesome. But what people overstep is what if I took that same dollar, made the same investments that doubled every year for 20 years. But instead of having Uncle Sam partnering with me for 25% or a little bit more or less, depending on your tax bracket, what if I simply put that money into a retirement account first? Let's just say a Roth IRA. I paid tax on $1, right? So if the tax rate was 25%, it cost me a quarter. And then I invested that money the same way I did outside of my IRA, doubling it every years, every year for 20 years. Instead of $72,000, I'm going to end up with just over a million dollars, right? So if everyone can kind of let that sink in for a second, same investor, same investment, same amount of time. One person made the investment with their personal money. The other person put it into a Roth IRA from the get-go and then made all the same investments. One investor has a million forty-eight thousand dollars and the other investor has $72,000. Now, when I asked you what type of investor do you wanna be, the answer is so painfully obvious. And that's what self-directed IRAs do, is they allow you to take the investments that you're making with your personal money today and simply duplicate them into your IRA tax-free. And obviously the, the slide speaks for itself, but the amount of money that you can make as a result is staggering, not because you were a better investor, because you put it in the right vehicle. And this is the exact reason or how we're going to pay for this, all these stimulus packages, right? This is how the government makes money. That's exactly right. And, and the beauty of IRAs is it, it is a, it is a tax-free, tax-advantaged account from the get-go, meaning they've been designed this way since inception. So this isn't a, a loophole that if you've got a good enough CPA or you're wealthy enough to understand, this is every single run-of-the-mill investor can participate in this program. And it's perfectly permissible and perfectly legal. Well, it is kind of a loophole, right? It's the guys in Congress make these programs so they themselves can take advantage of them. 
Well, this one's interesting, right? Because, you know, what, where, where the challenge is, is it's not whether or not you can do it. It's whether or not you come across the opportunity. And so many investors, you know, they just never learn that this is an option, right? And, you know, we've been at it. I personally have been in this, this business for 15 years and we've been telling the story. And I can tell you 15 years ago, uh, the people we were telling the story to, you know, then is much different than today. Right. Fifteen years ago, one out of a hundred people even knew what this looked like, let alone how to do it. And and now probably fifty out of a hundred people I talk to are at least familiar with it. So the message is getting out and more and more people are turning to this opportunity because it doesn't make any sense to own an investment in your personal account if you could own it in your retirement account and never pay tax on it. Right. I mean, that's the beauty of of setting up a self-directed account. So when we talk about, you know, accounts, um, you know, I'll just quickly highlight kind of how these plans work and the different types of plans that exist. And and I won't get necessarily too deep in the weeds here, but, you know, a lot of times people kind of view retirement accounts as a one size fits all, right? There's one plan, maybe two. And the reality is there's not. Uh, There's four different types of IRAs. So all of which you can park money into a traditional, a Roth, a SEP, and a simple. Uh, A SEP kind of being the the unique one because it's for those that are self-employed. HSAs, for those that are on high deductible insurance plans, you can actually have an HSA and go self-directed into passive investments. Uh, Educational savings accounts. So for those with kids and grandkids, you can actually contribute to an ESA, just like a Roth, for your kids or grandkids. And that money can all grow into whatever investments you choose completely tax-free. And then you can use it to pay your, your, your kids, grandkids, et cetera. Um, you can use it to pay their qualifying educational expenses. So not only can you use it to build retirement wealth, right? You can also use it to build tax-free wealth for health expenses, and you can use it to build tax-free wealth for educational expenses. Uh, and then the last plan, the, the solo 401k, the QRP, if you will, uh, that plan allows people to utilize the, and QRP simply stands for qualified retirement plan. Uh, the, the QRP allows people to take all the benefits of a, of a 401k plan, right? Much higher contribution limits, a lot more investor flexibility, et cetera. And you can do all of that inside a solo 401k plan and buy whatever investments that you want. So uh, for those that are listening today or joining us, if you're self-employed, that tool is fantastic. Uh, those that aren't self-employed yet, right? Uh, maybe you're taking kind of Lane's approach, right? Which is, you know, get some investments and, and give yourself enough passive income to, to, uh, to quit your day job. While you're still employed, you may w- want to utilize some of these other tools, the traditional, the Roth, the solo, or sorry, the HSA, the ESA. Um, we can walk you through that process and talk you through that. But key, key takeaway here, everybody, is that you, there's lots of different vehicles to save money in. And if I go back to that slide of doubling for a dollar, right? Well, what if you put a dollar into a Roth, a dollar into an HSA, and a dollar into an ESA, and you went out and invested all three of those, right? And, and you doubled a dollar every, every year, and you ended up with a million dollars in three different accounts. It sure beats a million dollars in just one account. So lots to think about there. I don't want to belabor it, and I don't want to bore you with it, but I uh, always want to share the value that, that there are different plan types uh, and a lot that have different levels of value for you. And just for example, I've got a, had an HSA account and I put a coffee farm parcel in there. So I think we'll, we'll talk about some of the more exotic things you can invest in. And then you know, a, lot of, a lot of my guys are doing the solo 401ks, QRPs these days. And you know, they don't necessarily run a traditional business. Um, but, you know, so, so there's some ways around that, of 
course, we're not giving legal advice here. We're just telling what other people are doing that are kind of That's right. kicking butt. So I, you know, th- this, this is kind of the, the part where we talk about wh- what are the rules, right? I mean, obviously the, the government is not going to hand out tax-free um, accounts without having some limitations. And, and that makes sense. The biggest concern the, the government has really is, are you going to use this money to try to funnel or, or get money in or out, either above the limits or without penalty? And so the IRS really has two sets of rules they enforce. Number one, you can't buy life insurance and you can't buy collectibles. Pretty straightforward and pretty easy, right? No life insurance, no collectibles. Um, so this isn't a tool to go buy artwork or you know metals or gems unless they're bought for their intrinsic value. But if you're buying numismatics or you're buying you know a, a, a painting or something, uh, the IRS simply doesn't let you do that in an IRA. Uh, there's just too much stuff to try to manage market value in that. The second rule that they have is really less geared around what you buy, and it's more geared around who the IRA, this tax-free or tax-advantaged entity, does business with. Uh, and in the case of a retirement account, they don't want that that account doing business with you, your spouse, most of your close family members, certainly people above you and below you from a family tree, right? Your ancestors, parents, grandparents, um, your descendants, children and grandchildren, um, and businesses owned by those parties. So what it says is my IRA could go invest with Lane, right? We're, we're, we're not related as it uh uh, as it as it is compared to this list. So my IRA could go do business with Lane tomorrow. So I could invest passively in a deal that that Lane was sponsoring, or I could in, I could buy a property that Lane was selling, or whatever the deal was. But I couldn't go do that if Lane, you know, if I invested into with Lane and Lane was a child of mine, right? Because the IRS says that's too close to the flame. We're not certain that you're going to be able to behave yourselves in a in a you know, parental with a child type transaction. So it's not the deal that's prohibited. It's the fact that, that our relation crosses the line. So small list of people, right? The beauty of passive investing and, and what we're really spending most of our time talking about is it's exactly that, right? It is passive. It is with unrelated parties. It's mailbox money. Uh, and all of those deals, which we're going to talk about here in a second, are perfectly permissible in an IRA. Yeah, what Jason's talking about is what we call the prohibited transaction. So we cannot self-deal with ourselves. And um, what, what you're kind of alluding to is pretty is a, is actually a pretty cool advanced technique that a lot of people in um, my mastermind do. Um, what they'll do is they'll, you know, they're active investors, but they'll invest in their buddies deal with their self-directed IRA. A lot of people will do that within the syndications too, um, other sponsors. And um, just can't... You got to make sure that like, uh, you know, nobody gets married in the family, right? With it's kind of like brothers-in-law. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you can do that or not, but maybe be careful. It may not be worth it, but you can't actively be in your adding value to your, your investment, right? Like if you own a rental property, you can't be the property manager. You can't trim the hedge. You can't paint the property. You can't fix anything. You have to be arm's length transaction. Yeah. And if you think about this in the stock world, right, it, it would be like, you know, the IRS doesn't want Bill Gates buying Microsoft stock in his IRA because they don't want him having tax advantaged opportunities to grow money of a business that he controls. Right. Um, But there would be nothing that would prevent Bill Gates from investing into Apple. Right. Because there's no related party there. Even if he is great friends with Tim Cook and understands everything about Apple's business model, um, it makes him a good investor and there's nothing prohibited about that. They just don't want him investing into his own business or doing anything that gives him that sweat equity, as you kind of 
alluded to. So, um, you know, this isn't necessary. This is far from a deal breaker. In fact, I would suggest if, if this catches you up, you're probably kind of missing the true intent of really passive investing. But uh, this is a, you know, we got to follow the rules. And if we want to have the tax benefits, we got to follow a real small set of rules. Yeah, some, some of the, the more fun techniques I hear about, whether it's legal or not, is, you know, like note investors, they like peel off the, you know, they, they make it like they're investing $1, but they peel off all the future payments as, um, you know, added value. And that's how they turbocharge their self-directed IRA. I mean, that's how like, was it Nick Romney had like a gazillion dollars in his self-directed Roth? And like, you know, how the heck did he do that when you can only put in $6,000 a year, right? They're doing tricky things like that. But um, you don't have to comment on that, Jason. I mean, that's what people have to come to <laughs> it's Hawaii for. Probably best I I don't. I, I think the way that, that I will <laughs> I will will this and and uh, you know the the beauty is of a self directed account is you are limited by your own creativity and you know certainly that creativity should fall within the bounds. But there's a lot of strategies to turbocharge investments and and find ways to really have some high profit, especially as a percentage type investments inside accounts and. Uh, as long as you're not, you know, breaking either of these rules that uh, we just talked about, you've got an infinite opportunity. And, and uh, you know, I, I love hearing stories like that, assuming they all fall within the legal realm, because it's exactly it. And people like Mitt Romney don't have to be the ones that can, you know, the, it's not meant for wealthy people like Mitt to be able to, you know, turbocharge. The, the average mom and pop investor has that ability through an account uh, with NewView. Jason just sells the motorcycle and it meets all, you know, <laughs> that, USDA right. regulations. But if you want to go do some wheelies, that's on you. <laughs> Are you a non-incredited investor looking for opportunities to invest passively? How about a newer investor looking to get a bit of a track record and confidence from your spouse who's a little bit skeptic of what you've been listening to the last few months? And could you use the reinforcement of double-digit returns paid like clockwork in the form of monthly dividends? The American Home Preservation Fund, or AHP, is currently open again and is looking to bring new investors with them. I have been investing with them since 2016 and originally I used it as a means to pay for my regular expenses. I started with $60,000 as my initial investment and that paid my car payment completely for me every single month. AHP collaborates with existing homeowners to keep them in their homes via restructuring or selling the debts unlike their competitors. It's a way to make great returns while feeling good about making a social impact. After investing myself in the fund, it was awesome when owner George Newberry saw the impact Simple Passive Cashflow was making and eventually approached me to become a spokesperson of the company. You can start investing with as little as 100 bucks. And if you want a free bird zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. For more information about investing with AHP, Go to hpservicing.com slash investors. I like to buy stuff. Well, that's a liability. But going back to the, what your IRA cannot invest in, does wine fall in that category? Believe it or not, uh, alcoholic beverage is, is actually a line item under collectibles and IRS code. So, uh, yep, wine and uh, any other alcoholic beverages for the same reason you can't hold a painting. Okay. You can't directly own artwork, but there are operators out there that will syndicate it. And, but I know you can do it that way, but I think that's where 
if you're getting enjoyment out of the actual painting in your gallery or in your house or a wine that you could potentially tap and fill with purple water, I think that's where they draw the line, right? <laughs> you know, that, that uh, as the custodian who gets to hold all the assets, right, on behalf of the accounts, uh, you know, it's a bit disappointing that we can't hold the artwork and, and wine and, and alcohol on behalf of our clients. And, uh, you know, I think we all have a little experience when we were younger, uh, figuring out how to refill the liquor bottles, at, at least certainly I know me and my friends did in, in our respective, uh, you know, parents' uh, liquor cabinets. But yeah, it's prohibited. And, and you know, really, Lane, what, what, what their biggest concern is, candidly, is it has to do with market value. And investing into a fund is investing into a business, right? And the fund managers are responsible to oversee the activity. And it's a little bit different. If, if you own a Picasso in your IRA, how would the IRS ever know what your tax liability is, right? So if, if you decided to withdraw that Picasso painting from your account, which is perfectly permissible, how would they know if that's valued at a million, two million, ten million, or a hundred million? And obviously, as a taxpayer, you're going to try to get that valued at the lowest amount possible to limit your tax. So that was really their intention from the get-go. Is is obviously you have personal use and personal consumption, and that's certainly a large contributing factor. But it also goes a step further into the behavior of the the account holder and and from a tax liability standpoint. That's why I was kind of playfully push the limits on this because it helps you understand right what is the intention and essentially congress didn't you know they got to keep all us monkeys in line so they got to cut draw the line somewhere that's right what what about um gold bullion is that can you can you own that in your ira ira so any precious metal right whether it be gold silver platinum palladium uh they can all be held as long as they are above purity levels so for all metals except for gold, because it's a little bit softer, more malleable, uh, the requirement of purity is 0.995 for gold and 0.999 for all other metals. So uh, if you wanted to invest into golden eagles, let's just say, um, as long as it, and a golden eagle does meet the criteria, it's a, a treasury, you know, it's a, a government issued and it's not domestic. You can buy Canadian maple leaves and other things, but uh, as long as the, the coin that you're buying, even if it's unmarked, uh, it has to meet certain refinery guidelines and be above the purity level. So what you can't do is you can't go buy a, a, a piece of gold from the Titanic um, because you're buying it for its numismatic value uh, or its collectible value. That's prohibited. Uh, but if you bought a just, you know, one ounce gold coin that was met the refinery requirements and was 0.995% pure or above, then it would be perfectly permissible. It, again, it comes back to like, can it be the market value be verified? I you got it. Commodity. Yep. You Learning got it. here. <laughs> what about Bitcoin? Yeah, Bitcoin can be held. Um, there, there's a few different ways to access it, but uh, cryptocurrencies of all different types can be held. And, uh, you know, we can set help you set up your account where you can actually go designate your own storage, find your own, you know, uh, whatever crypto you want to buy, whatever the, the platform you're using to buy it, whatever platform you want to use to hold it. Uh, and you can manage all of that uh, on behalf of the IRA. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of crypto unless uh, you got a lot of money, more than half a million dollars to play around with it. Nor am I a big fan of precious metals. I just think that's what all like the gurus out there trying to scare people is that the world is ending so they can get their commissions on those gold and silver bullions. But hey, what do I know? I mean, it might work. I, don't, I just don't do it. But let's 
you know, most of my folks are interested in like the real estate side, whether it's a syndication or LLC. Maybe if you can kind of expand on like what people are using for that. Sure. So, so I've got two slides on that, and and you know, but before we talk about kind of the the passive approach, um, you know, your your IRA can own really anything that's not prohibited. Well, what are the most common things our clients own? Uh, really, it boils down into three asset classes. Um, and, and all three are pretty close to the same in terms of percentage of assets. So uh, real estate, and this is all different types of real estate, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, mortgages and notes, right? Performing, non-performing, it, it, it doesn't matter. They all fall under that mortgage note, basically a, a loan of some sort. Uh, and then private equity, and, and private equity covers a, a pretty big range, if you will. But um, that's partnership deals, whether they're you know whether they're they're just straight passive investments or whether or not it's a private stock investment like an active business. Um, all of those can be held uh, LLCs, obviously. Uh, and then we have the other category, right? And that's the probably ten or fifteen percent of what we do uh, or what our clients do. Um, precious metals falls into that cryptocurrency, tax liens, tax deeds, uh, tax certificates. Um, you know, we've we've got uh, clients that have have invested in racehorses. We've got, uh, you know, we we've seen a, a. If you can imagine it, I think as uh, it farmers, it says uh, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Uh, man, we we've seen a thing or two. That's for sure. Well, uh, that one's that one's kind of inspiring. What if I wanted to buy like a one of those five or ten thousand dollar like purebred beagles or something like that or like one of those like exotic cats that celebrities own like a like a hybrid lynx sure i mean so long as you there's really a couple key things number one is their clear ownership paperwork right and and for a lot of these including a racehorse yes um you cannot store it yourself right so you can't bring it to your property and and uh uh you know for the racehorse for example it, it needs to be stored somewhere um, you have to be hands off. So, uh, in the example of the racehorse or, or in your example of, of, uh, uh, we'll, we'll call you lane exotic, um, you know, for, for your, some sort of tiger, right? Um, you could, you could do it. You, your IRA would buy it. Your IRA would pay whomever housed it. Uh, if there was training or anything that went in, you know, that, that was involved, all of that would be paid for out of the IRA. And, you could get this to a point where it was ready to be sold and you could turn and go sell it and, and the profit would go right back into your IRA. What if I just want it for a lifelong friend? Is it, is oh, that, that's prohibited. That's prohibited. That's prohibited. You cannot take physical possession of anything in your IRA. So you, you, you got to have it held somewhere else. You can FaceTime it, I suppose. Even me out of jail. That's a trend. <laughs> So, you know, I, one of the things I wanted to just maybe kind of wrap up on is really the, the passive investment side. And, you know, when we say the passive investment, right, I mean, it's the, the, the key difference between active and passive, at least the way I try to, to, to kind of view it is active means I'm going to go out and actively find the deal. So if I want to go buy a rental property, I'm going to go find the rental property. If I want to go right alone, I'm going to go right alone, right? Passive investments say, you know what? maybe I'll rely on someone else's expertise here. Um, I will let someone else that, that knows how to find the right rental properties go build a portfolio of rental properties and I'll invest into that. And, and what I'm getting is two big things, right? I'm getting knowledge and experience from the, the, the person that's creating the opportunity. 
But two, I'm getting some diversity, right? Because I don't have enough money in my IRA to go buy 30 investment properties. I can go buy one or two. And then I'm, I'm you know, if one doesn't rent, obviously I've, I've lost some real diversity there. But if I own 2% of a pool of 30 properties, uh, now I've gotten some real diversity in my investments. So passive investments are something we see our, our clients do really probably the most common thing our clients do. Um, when we talk about you know passive real estate, obviously you have multifamily funds, you've got rental funds, you've got uh, you know low income housing funds, you've got affordable housing funds, trailer park, mobile home, uh, you know uh, uh, type funds, um, syndications. So you know anything that's that's syndicated, um, and and syndications is doesn't always have to be real estate, right? Um, we see all kinds of things that are syndicated from an investment standpoint, uh, you know, all the way down to ATM machines, right, as, as something that, that could be syndicated. Uh, mortgage and note funds. So you may not want to be in the business of going out and figuring out who needs to borrow money, but you like the passive income that a loan offers. And so uh, you can go out in the marketplace and, and find people that will write the loans for you and find the borrowers and, and negotiate all the terms. Um, crowdfunding, you know, this is something that, uh, is becoming increasingly popular and, and uh, you know, crowdfunding gives you the ability to hop onto websites, right? And, and take a look at, at some of those um, offerings right on a website, you know, which, which is really was created by the Jobs Act, uh, you know, some years ago. And, and it's really made a, a major impact because it's allowed a lot more, it's allowed a lot more access to private investors, um, you know, to access some of these true private investments, um, because in in the past, a lot of the investments we're talking about were really only available for the wealthy, right? It's why Mitt Romney's you know investment funds delivered such great results to his wealthy friends. Um, whereas you know crowdfunding gives Joe Sixpack right the ability to kind of log on to the website. And they got to do their own due diligence, but it gives them access to some of these more attractive fund level deals. Um, and then private equity and, and other investment funds. So, you know, the, the world of private equity is huge. I mean, you know, Uber, Lyft, um, Grubhub, uh, you know, if you, you look at all these companies that, that we all know of, um, every single one of them started as a private equity company before it became public. And a lot of these private companies raise money. And so there's, you know, obviously the, we're not getting calls to invest in Uber, but you'd be amazed how many businesses that, uh, that people you know may be operating or starting. And sometimes just asking around will give you some insight into some of these products. And so uh, all of those opportunities present themselves. So, you know, Jason works for NewView. Um, they're a self-directed IRA company. And something I've heard lately from um, investors, I'm talking on the phone, which I still do these days, if you guys are a new investor to our We Do Pipeline Club, um, go ahead and book a call and we'll get to know each other a little bit better. But, you know, people are like, well, I gotta, I gotta, I'm in the self-directed IRA account with Fidelity or Vanguard. I'm like, right, that's a fake self-directed IRA. <laughs> it's this self-directed term has sort of become a little buzzword, I feel like, this past year. And the Vanguards and all these big brokerages are just calling it that, but it's, you're still trapped. It's like you're in a prison and you just get privileges to go walk around the field, but you're, make no mistake, you're still stuck in the, in jail. Um, guys like uh, Jason with the New View IRA, they are outside of the uh, the jail cell or the, the the jail community, and they are truly self-directing um, accounts. I don't know if you want to add on to that, Jason, but 
Yeah, and 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 I gotta I gotta say uh, publicly, I I love the the prison uh, example because it's so true. And and uh, you know, if you've never been outside the prison walls, you think you've got it really good, right? Um, you know, I I typically analogize it to imagine if if the only fast food available was burger chains, right? Yeah, you didn't know there was such thing as Taco Bell or or Chick Fil A or you know any of the the other myriad of choices. And so you may think, yeah, because I got Burger King and Wendy's and McDonald's, man, I, I've got a lot of real choice here. And each menu's got a bunch of different things on it, and all is well. Uh, and then you step foot in, in into a Taco Bell or something else and realize, well, gosh, you know this is a whole different menu with a whole different set of opportunities. And self directed accounts, you're right. It's a term that's gotten you know really kind of used, overutilized. Uh, because it was designed originally to to say, hey, we're giving you the ability to make your own investments in, in into investments that that you get to choose. Whereas, uh, unfortunately, we've seen you know a lot of the large brokerage houses have said, hey, wait a minute, we offer self directed IRAs too. You can pick whatever stock bond or mutual fund you want, right? Uh, and so, in our, in our amongst of crappy options that we that's exactly selected. right and. You know, so so New View Trust is is really designed to to give people choice and freedom. We are a passive custodian, as I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, custody about a billion and a half dollars of assets uh, over our seventeen years of, of business, uh, and and people call on us and ask us and trust us uh, to simply provide a similar role to, uh, that Fidelity would provide or Schwab would provide, but they do it under the auspice that they're going to go find their own investment, do their own due diligence and not be forced into the stock market. I mean, that's really why people come to New View. Yeah, and I thought you were going to go a different direction with that analogy and talk about the, the, the shower scene with the soap, how you're getting out, <laughs> paying all those fees, right? <laughs> oh, man, you know, and, and, and we may have to talk offline on how to build on that prison analogy. There's, there sounds like there's some opportunity there. Yeah. Well, um, with the final minutes here um, that I have with you, can you talk about UDFI and, um, you know, those are going into investments utilizing, you know, leverage? Sure. Yeah. So one of the things that, that you know, we, we tell the story about tax-free growth, right? And we tell the story about not having to pay tax on an annual basis. Um, but there is an instance where the IRS may impose a tax on your IRA. And, and I use the word may. Um, the, the, the most common one is when you take on debt. Right. The IRS says if you're going to take on debt, whether directly, you know, meaning the IRA gets the loan or indirectly through some sort of passive investment fund. Uh, the IRS says, you know, if you have 50 percent debt, meaning 50 percent of the, the, the property is leveraged, then we're going to look at potentially taxing 50 percent of your gain. It's called UDFI, Unrelated Debt Financed Income. Uh, the other tax that, that is similar is called UBIT, Unrelated Business Income Tax. And it says, if you invest into an operating business that doesn't pay tax, we may tax you on that as well. And a lot of people get scared of that. And I want to kind of share a couple of things. Number one, if you invest into Microsoft, Microsoft pays tax. They pay corporate tax. And then whatever they earn, right, is where you earn your money as an investor. If you invested into a private company like Microsoft that didn't pay tax, then the IRS says, you still have to pay the tax. Somebody does. So you're not getting taxed twice, right? People don't realize that every publicly traded stock is a C corporation. They're all paying tax. So you're just getting less profit because it's after tax. Whereas in an IRA, you may have the opportunity to invest into a private company and get pre-tax earnings, right? So you get more money and then you got to give a little bit of that back in the form of tax. Um, same thing on the loan side. If you take an IRA 
and you take $50,000 and you go buy stock, the most stock you can buy with that IRA is $50,000. So your ROI will never exceed, right? The, the, the maximum amount of your, your, the dollars that you can put in because you can't use leverage. But in an IRA that's self-directed outside the stock market, there are banks all day long that will take your 50 grand and lend you 50 grand and let you go buy a $100,000 property. So even though you may incur a tax as a result, think about the difference. In one case, you invested 50 grand, right? In the other case, you put up 50, but actually invested 100 grand. So if the investment makes 10%, right? In the $50,000 example, I made five grand. In the example with leverage, I made 10 grand. So even if I pay two or $3,000 in tax, which is way more than it would be, my net return, if I pay $3,000 of tax is seven grand. Well, how much did I invest? 50,000 bucks. If I invested 50,000 bucks and made 10%, I only made five grand. So what would I rather make? 10% on the levered hundred and pay a little in tax or 10% on just the 50, right? And, and go for cash on cash. So uh, levered returns make tremendous sense. Don't let anyone out there, regardless of their sale tactics or scare tactics, tell you that UBIT is, is something you shouldn't do. It should be considered, it should be evaluated, but I can draw up examples all day long where a good investment that's levered will yield you far better results even after tax. So, um, and I'll, I'll end with this, is if you, if you are buying real estate specifically levered and you qualify for the self-directed solo 401k, which we can help you do, that tax doesn't even apply to you, right? It's not applicable in a solo 401k, which is awesome. You know, the funny thing is like, I think most CPAs and accountants don't have a clue what EDFI is. I don't even know if they would put it on your tax form, honestly. No, we, we have a good <laughs> handful of accountants that we refer, you know, clients to um, because clients will ask and we'll tell them, you know, go do the math, right? Yeah. Like I just kind of This is how it's supposed to be done. But hey, man, if you're a professional, it doesn't do it the right way. That's on them. That's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know. You got to work with the right people. Um, but right. help me understand this. So like if I go invest in Microsoft, Microsoft is, has, I'm sure they're levered, right? They have debt to, some ex to, to probably a great extent. How is that different than if somebody invests in a 75% levered deal? And then, you know, how, why is there a difference? To, to yeah, me, it's it, the same thing. I, I feel like I live in an unfair world here. <laughs> Well, you, you won't hear me say this very often, Lane, but, but it actually is fair. And, and I'll, I'll kind of help you understand why. If I go invest into Microsoft, yes, Microsoft is levered. But all of those profits, including the levered profits, are subject to tax at the corporate level. Microsoft will pay a corporate tax on levered profits. So the government is getting their you know, proverbial uh, hand in the cookie jar on it. If I go invest into a passive fund that has 75% lever, there is no corporate tax at the fund level. So the money itself, there's levered profits that are not being taxed. If they passively give those to Lane an individual, you got to pay tax on your levered profits as a whole, right? Because you bought it personally. If Lane's IRA invests, they're not going to tax Lane on all the profits. They're only going to tax Lane on levered profits. So it, 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 there's been this world that's built up out there that would suggest that, that leverage in an IRA is scary. And I turn around and say leverage in an IRA is the best thing. And I'll, I'll give you kind of a quick example. 
if you took an investment lane and, and let's just use 50% leverage because it's math I can do in my head if that's fair. But if you put $100,000 into an investment and let's just say it doubled, right? You made $100,000. When you get that return personally, right? You don't have to pay tax on anything but your profit. Your profit was 100,000 bucks. If you're in a 25% tax bracket using all round numbers, right? That would cost you 25 grand. So you invested 100, made 100, paid 25 in tax and ended up in theory with 75 grand, right? So your your return on investment was 75% after tax, right? After tax. If you did the same investment, right? And instead of using your personal money for that hundred grand, you used your IRA. You put in the same hundred, got out the same hundred in profit. In this case, instead of the whole hundred being subject to tax, only the levered portion is. So if it's 50% leverage, only 50% of your profit in this case is taxable. And again, I'm using round numbers. If you take the 50% and let's assume that the tax is 30%. That costs you $15,000 or a little over like $16,000 in taxes. So if you take the hundred that you made, subtract out the $17,000 rounding up, right? You, st- you would now have a profit of $83,000. Well, if you compare that to doing it with your personal money, you have 83% return instead of 75% return. You're actually coming out ahead. Yet there's people out there that would say you shouldn't do it in your IRA because the tax is bad. And I'm making a worst case scenario, you know, case here saying the tax, yes, it sucks to pay tax, but what it, what it sucks is not to take advantage of levered gains because the power of leverage is so great. And the beauty is if you qualify, we can set you up in a solo 401k where you can put in a hundred, make a hundred and not pay a penny of tax, even though it was levered because 401k plans are exempt from UDFI. So three different scenarios all paint the picture that doing this in your personal money is the least efficient, the IRA is the the second most efficient, and the solo 401k is the most efficient in that tax scenario. A few of you guys might be thoroughly confused, which is great, which is uh, on the path of progress. Um, you know, then this is what we do in our, um, you know, our, our group coaching, our journey program. You guys can take a look at that at simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey, which is our accelerator mastermind. And, um, you know, if you guys want to get fine tuning coaching on this, uh, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash coaching for the more of the family office offering of services. But um, if you guys want to replay this uh, webinar and take a look at the slides, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash QRP. Um, shoot me an email if you want to get connected with Jason. Yeah, this is uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, if you want to get the cool ideas, the fun ideas, like, you know, Jason's siphoning the bottle uh, technique, um, you're going to have to come out to Hawaii at the next mastermind uh, in January. But uh, appreciate Jason for coming out, man. Hey, Lane, thanks for having me. Uh, it was a good time for sure. And, and uh, I, I don't know if that was an open invite to me, but maybe I'll see you out there in January. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, I know you want to come all the way out here to Hawaii from Florida, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get you out there on these days. Awesome. Thanks, Lane. 
This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.